0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Welcome to Radio 1's For the Culture podcast, the history of Black music. In this episode, join Radio 1 programmer and host Jay Mixon-Dixon, along with Tiffany bacon As they take you through the history of soul music, specifically in the birthplace of America, better known as Philadelphia. Be sure to like, review, and subscribe for future and previous episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Without further ado, I welcome you to Radio 1's For the Culture Podcast, the history of Philly soul music.
2: All right, welcome to Radio 1's For the Culture Podcast, the history of black music, and I'm your host, Jade Mixon Dixon. And in this episode, we're gonna take a look back at the history of soul music, specifically in the birthplace of America, better known as Philadelphia. And uh, I also have a uh, special guest joining me here. Her name is Tiffany Bacon, and she is a very well-known Philadelphia radio personality. Hello, Tiffany. Hey, Jay. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna dig into Philly soul, and um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to cover from what I remember, first of all, I, I didn't grow up in Philadelphia. You did.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I've heard stories about <laughs> Philadelphia. You know, I grew up in Boston. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of us in Boston had family in New York city and some family in the South Norfolk, Norfolk, Virginia is where a lot of my uh, family came from. And uh, we had family in Baltimore, Maryland, Washington, DC. And I had, Uh, a few cousins in Philadelphia that I didn't meet until a family reunion in 1978, Mm. which, which, um, believe it or not, um, my my cousin Annette, I met her in 1978. And then I saw her again in 2019 here in Philadelphia Mm. at an event, uh, that was, uh, Deanna Williams launch party at, um, World Cafe. Nice. <laughs> so nice. it was a 40, 41 year gap between the time that <laughs> um, we, we met at a family reunion and the time that uh, uh, we, we saw each other again. And she was there with, um, you know, Lady B was there, Albie Shore, mm. Deanna Williams, uh, Earl Young from the trams, Dexter One Cell. I met Dexter One wow. Cell that day. Wow. I, it's like I died and went to heaven.
3: Wow. You know,
2: but, but you know, th- what's interesting in all of this is is that philadelphia story or my philadelphia story not growing up in philadelphia it was all around the music and and when you talk about philadelphia soul music it wasn't just um the songs that i heard on the radio it was the story behind the song so i'm going to give you a little you know background on me growing up in boston um boston had its you know polarization with with uh, blacks and and, a, and Irish and Italians, with some racial tension in the city. Uh, when while I was going to school, I was right in the middle of that that busing crisis that happened in the uh, the mid seventies, with uh, you know fights that broke out in the schools, and, right. and I got arrested that's fifteen years old because wow. I I got into a confrontation with an a, an Irish police officer, and mm. and you know it was a mess back then. Uh, but my. In growing up in Boston, uh, there, there was some great radio stations up there. We had a an AM radio station, and and you know, for those listening to this podcast, that they, they, you know, the younger folks may not believe this, but AM radio stations played music. <laughs> and the AM radio station that we had, um, it, it would sign off at night because it was on a frequency, and and if it was on at night, it would inter- interfere with the radio station in in Baltimore, Maryland. So we we had a black station that would, whenever the sun went down, it would go off the air, and then we would listen to the uh, top 40 radio stations, like WMEX and WRKO. So, in listening to, or, or being exposed to Philly soul, starting with WILD, from, from the earliest I can remember when I started paying attention to the songs on the radio, I was probably like 10 years old, the AM radio station, WILD, and I remember a song called Cowboys to Girls. Mm-hmm. And my father, uh, fr- who was uh born in Jamaica and I had uh six siblings, you know, my it was just something, some relationship between Jamaicans and, and sound and big speakers and stereo, and and my, my father uh bought a big stereo system. Uh, and and uh, had a, a reel-to-reel tape recording. He bought a lot of records. So when I heard Cowboys to Girls, mm. uh, I remember that song. And my brother Donnie, he he collected records. My sister Cheryl, and they they bought records. But I remember looking at the record label and then noticing like the name on the record, hmm, Gamble, uh, you know. And there were some other names on the on the records that that I would pay attention to over time. And I think. That was, you know, where I started getting curious about, you know, what went on behind the music and, and, you know, what was different about the records that I noticed that came out of Philadelphia. They were different than the records that I heard coming out of the South. They were very different. I won't say very different, but they were different than the Motown records. Motown had a different sound. Uh, the sound out of the South, Stax Records, had a different sound. And, and, and there really weren't a lot of records that I remember coming out of um, um, the West Coast, with the exception of Barry White and the Love Unlimited Orchestra. But going back to the Philly Records, there was something that I noticed when I, I, I heard them on the AM radio stations is that they, they, they had a different kind of sound and texture to it. Mm. Um, Motown sounded more a little muffled. And the Philadelphia records sounded like, wow, this is expensive stuff. It was like the, the sound that you would hear in a Cadillac as opposed to <laughs> a uh, uh, my father's uh, Ford station wagon with, with yeah. the wood panel on it. So <laughs> Motown was the Ford station wagon with a wood panel and the Philly records sounded like the Cadillac with the white walls. Mm. And as like at 10 years old, I could notice the difference between the records in in the sound and the production style and and the um the strings and the horns and 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 uh, remembering groups like Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes and you know when I first heard songs like Bad Luck, not only did they play on the uh, black station that WILD that went off at night, but they also played on the top forty station. Mm-hmm. A lot of their songs played on the top forty station. So you're talking about um, Songs like uh, "Bad Luck" uh, and 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 Teddy Pendergrass, who was the uh, the lead singer. In mm-hmm. case you know folks don't know, Harold Melvin and Blue Nose, They they started out in the fifties as the Charlemagnes, not not the Charlemagnes the gods, but just the Charlemagnes, whatever that meant in the fifties. And then uh, you know we know that with Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, I started noticing over time that uh, the the label started changing uh, where, where the name was Harold Melvin and Blue Nose featuring Teddy Pendergrass. And then eventually it was just Teddy Pendergrass off in his own and Harold Melvin and Blue Nose went through uh, transitions with uh, different lead singers. But hearing those songs like, um, If You Don't Know Me By Now, uh, Mm -hmm. hearing them on the uh, the top 40 radio stations, these were big records. Um, uh, The Love I Lost, um, Where Are All My Friends. Mm -hmm. Um, It was my introduction to another style of soul music that was it was a a word or phrase or thing that I wasn't even like really paying attention to until over time where it was like mass appeal Mm -hmm. because in Boston even with the um, the racial polarization they loved those Philly records
3: yeah
2: and and you know those records were and it was, it was, you know, interesting to me. It's like, wow, you know, they love Black music. Well, you know, there may be records that come out of a different region of the country or something that, you know, that may have been like the Stax record stuff uh, mm-hmm. that wasn't in their collection as much as, as many as what I thought the Philadelphia records were that were in their collection mm-hmm. uh, because of the number of records that were played on, on pop mainstream uh, radio. And, so, so. and
1: that's interesting to hear your perspective not growing up in Philly because I'm a Philly John. And understand yeah. a lot of people try to say the word John now. <laughs> I, I suggest you don't try it unless you're really from Philly because you sound clearly not from Philly.
2: You sound jawnless.
1: You sound jawnless. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh but yeah, growing up. You're reared on that. So the sound of Philadelphia is like grandma's cornbread. You know, you can expect it every Sunday uh, at dinner and it's and it's rich and it's full. And that was what we what we lived on. Of course, we had access to other music, but these are people in our backyards. Our parents knew somebody connected to the sound of Philadelphia in some way, shape, or form. So I would grow up hearing little stories, um, none that I can really retell because they're not my stories. They weren't my experiences. But I remember hearing uh, my mom talking about being at some club um, and and seeing Teddy Pendergrass or something like that. So they were relatable and accessible. But we as little kids, because I was a little kid then, just growing up on it, I just knew there was so much rich musical soil in my backyard, even then I knew. So by the time I came of age, you gotta understand when new movement came around, all of the folks in the new movement were little kids who were absorbing the sound of Philadelphia firsthand.
2: And that is what I've always been curious about. Uh, were those stories and, and, and the stories that came out of the city of philadelphia and you know the the interesting thing is that if you think about how 95 goes up and down the east coast right you can drive from boston to all the way down to miami on 95 And some cities you drive through you see but you don't really drive through the middle of philadelphia and i you know not until i moved here two years ago did i start seeing that philadelphia was really like you know a network of neighborhoods And I was just like really curious and I would start, you know, hanging out at hood bars and stuff, places that my coworkers said, Jay, don't go in that place. But I met so many (laughs) cool people because, you know, um, uh, Tiffany, I was trying to find out what those stories were Mm -hmm. behind the city and behind the music. It was so intriguing to me. So just, um, I don't know where they're going to edit this in at, but, but I, I missed the beginning talking about black music month and the history of Philly soul unmatched because um, you know, there, there's no other sound like it. We're going to talk about um, legends like Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff, who actually founded black music along with Deanna Williams, who's is just such a, a sweetheart, brilliant person, uh, had a chance to uh, work with her on, on different projects and stuff, even had a chance to, um, uh, come out on stage at a loose ends concert with Deanna Williams uh, mm. uh, when it was her birthday and, and they sang happy birthday to her. And it was just like an amazing experience. Shout out to you, Deanna. Tom Bell, a uh, great writer uh, credited for also discovering the sound of Philadelphia. They written and produced over 175 gold and platinum songs. Some, some of which were uh Homegrown and and beyond, meaning that they were uh, written, produced, created right here in Philadelphia and and in other places too. So, um, 1971 is when they launched their own uh, music label. Uh, Kenny Gamble, Leon Huff, uh, Tom Bell. I believe they were known as the Mighty Three. Philadelphia International Records as a rival to Barry Gordy's Motown Records, mm. and of course, it's uh, and of course its influence still resonates today. And uh, some of Gamble and Huff's Philly talent includes uh, great legends like Patti LaBelle, Phyllis Hyman, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, Teddy Pendergrass, The Intruders, so many more, all who uh, set up the path for soulful artists like Music Soul Child, Jasmine Sullivan, Jill Scott, plenty of others who uh, you also were, were were there when that movement happened, Tiffany mm-hmm. Bacon and from what I know you were a major uh, influence and power behind that movement, which is, which is so cool. We're gonna get to uh, that story as well. Mm-hmm. There, there were writers uh, behind the scenes like Bunny Siegler, Norman Harris, Linda Creed, uh, and, and so many more. So as we celebrate the soul of Philadelphia for Black Music Month, you know, we're gonna look at uh, 13 Philly artists who helped contribute to the shape and sound of Philadelphia. We talked about Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Not only did they have those records that were the big top 40 records with that big sophisticated sound, but uh, they had message records. Uh, that was the the, the the song Wake Up Everybody was one of the first times that I heard a song that had uh, such a powerful social message that's still so relevant today with everything that we've seen going on uh, with social uh, injustice in this country. Uh, we could easily take that song, wake up everybody, and still apply it to to what's going on today, or even change the words and make a new version of it that's would be just as relevant today as it was uh, back in 1975 when when it came out.
1: I, I, a lot of my stories are 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 really centered on the neo soul movement and how uh, how we bridged from the sound of Philadelphia into the new sound, getting into the nineties and the early two thousands and mid two thousands. But all of us, like I mentioned was, we were weird on that sound and the richness, you know, just imagine me, a little girl in North Philly jumping double Dutch, to the sound of Philadelphia, literally <laughs> jumping double dutch to the sound of Philadelphia, just soaking in all the atmosphere, and what we as young folks at the time, what we did with that, what we did with the energy, what we did with um, hip hop, because we grew up as hip hop was growing up, how we fused all of that together, and took it to another level. So yeah, I'm I'm listening to you tell the story, and then I'm just replaying my childhood in my head.
2: But but jumping double dutch, but. By- <laughs> jumping double dutch but let me tell you a funny story uh, real quick at the radio station it was a philadelphia moment for me where uh manuel glenn who's a community activist he's also one of the personalities on the radio station at classics 1079 we were doing a a sound of philadelphia weekend and one of the records that we had in there was double dutch bus um we played the Mm -hmm. record And the beat came Mm -hmm. on. There's a double dodge buzz coming. I said, wait a minute, play that again. There's
3: a double dodge
2: buzz. (laughs) And we looked at each other and just started cracking up. Do you know why? Because the record was a version that did not say, Give me a hole if you got (laughs) your fucking
3: bus there.
2: That's not double Dutch bus if it doesn't say <laughs> give me a home. Oh my God. We had to wipe tears out of our eyes. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. Frankie Smith right here from Philadelphia. And, Another uh,
1: hometown classic, though. Yeah,
2: yeah. So when you brought up the Double Dutch bus, you know, it, there's so many Philly classic. stories. And and one of the things that I um also acknowledge. You know, not only the uh, T.S.O.P. Sound of Philadelphia records, but there were other labels and, and, and producers and, and groups that came out of Philadelphia. A lot of people um, uh, may or may not have heard of Double Exposure. They had a huge disco record called 10%. And that's one of the things that the uh, Philadelphia Sound was, you know, I, you know, anybody could argue with me on this and I'll, I'll argue back. But, you know, the Sound of Philadelphia was the creation of disco. Disco music came out of Philadelphia and disco's not mm. a bad thing. It was mm-hmm. fun music. You know, it was, uh, it was, you know, party music, man. And people were partying back in the day to, you know, y- you take a record like MFSB and love is the message, which I don't know what the record, mm. you, you know, people remember the version <laughs> with the three degrees on it. But that record, uh, for a lot of people, especially in New York City, it's an anthem. That record comes on, they go into a comatose state, and they don't even know where they are. And it's like, love is a message. And that way that saxophone comes in, there. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I got to go party. I don't know how many times I, you know, yes. as a DJ in New York, yes. uh, I, I played that record in a club. And that was the, 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 the song that got people moving. I got to also acknowledge groups like First Choice female group um, that Mm -hmm. that came out of uh, the city that were just on fire with records like Let No Man Put Us Under and Love Thing" and uh, Newsy Neighbors and The Player and Mm -hmm. Armed and Extremely Dangerous and Smarty Pants. And those records were just party records that were just so fun and cutting edge and stuff. Uh, There there were groups like uh, Instant Funk Uh, that was on South Soul Records and I got my mind made up, come on, you can get it. You know, Mm -hmm. South Soul Records was a label out of New York City that was all Philadelphia (laughs) music. It was all I think one of the the brothers, Bunny Siegler, who was the writer, Philly writer, uh, his um, brother was in the group um, um, Instant Funk (laughs) and I believe uh, uh, Vince Montana Jr. who was an arranger that worked with uh, Philadelphia international records was involved with a lot of the South soul records. So, you know, you, you, you had that label and, and then you had uh, I talked about the tramps and there was another group, um, Philadelphia group that was really popular. Uh, the tramps. I talked about the tramps. The tramps was disco, the tramps, you know, disco inferno. That's where the happy people go. Yeah. Um, the, the, yeah. the tramps is just on fire. I don't ever re- really remember any slow records from a lot of these groups uh like the tramps but they made some mid tempo records that were definitely philly sound mm-hmm. and had that great vibe, vibe vibe please tell me where do we go from here and this is going back to like the mid 70s and stuff like that but they were you know they were fun vibey kind of records that um you know you you, you put on at home and people you know whether it's backyard at barbecue you're just chilling out or whatever and you know these these records were just amazing mm. um Patty LaBelle is um, an artist that that was yeah. uh, you know obviously from Philadelphia. And, and Tiffany, what what is your um, your your uh, your vibe or your your story, or do you have a Patty LaBelle story, or, or, or just share with me what Patty LaBelle is to Philadelphia and Philly soul? Uh,
1: everything. Um, Patty is <laughs> Miss Patty, Aunt Patty is everything. Also, grew up listening. To her music. Uh, The first time that I remember meeting her, I was hosting an event and it was an award show. I can't even remember the organization. Um, And we were honoring Patti LaBelle. And I was up there at the time I had locks down to my hind parts. And I had them quaffed up in this fabulous do, and I was giving this, you know, introduction of Miss Patty Labelle, all of her accomplishments and uh, so on and so forth. And she comes up on the stage, and she says, "Sister, girl, wow, your hair is snatched. It is together. I love it." <laughs> and I just felt like I was so everything. I just felt like I won a million dollars because of Patty wow. Labelle said I was snatched and together. I was snatched and together. Wow. (laughs) I felt validated in that moment, for sure. (laughs) And and just to slide into uh, the new soul movement or the neo soul movement. And I say new soul movement, because Mm. if you ask most artists who are labeled neo soul, they will say they hate that label. They did not call themselves neo soul. They do not want to be pigeonholed into the category of neo soul. But it's it's something uh, that, that uh, record label and, and we in broadcasting, you know, put categories on things. So that's what it's known as. But in that new soul movement of the late 90s and early 2000s, Patti LaBelle actually owned a nightclub in Old City at Second and Locust. Mm. I believe that was the location of this nightclub. And it was called Shea LaBelle. And it was at this place, somewhere around 1999, there was an event called the Blue Funk. It was a monthly event and it featured live music, poetry and all like that. The curator of this event, his name was John Barber. And he said, listen, sis, uh, Tiff, I I know you have this new show and I want you to meet this sister. She's a poet and she's working on some new music. And her name was Jill Scott and she was on stage at Shea LaBelle, doing her thing. And she was known in Philly, uh, in the underground music circuit as a poet first. A lot of people did not know she could sing, but then when she got together with the crew at A Touch of Jazz. So let me just just do a little bridge work for you really quick. You're talking about the sound of Philadelphia, but there's a really interesting uh, few roads to the bridge that connects the sound of Philadelphia, the classic sound of Philadelphia with the new sound of Philadelphia. Mm. And one of the roads to this bridge was Jazzy Jeff, of all people. One half of Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. He, in 1990, started a touch of jazz productions. Now, by the time you get to 96, between 96 and 2000, he brought on a whole bunch of local talent as producers, those folks were Carvin Hagens, Ivan Barrios, uh, Andre Harris, Vidal Davis, Keith Pelzer, and Darren Henson. All these brothers were part of the Touch of De- Jazz crew. And they were responsible for creating songs for Flowetry. I mean, hit songs for Floetry, Michael Jackson, Music Soul Child, Kenny Lattimore, The Isley Brothers, even, City High, Will Smith, Little Kim, De- uh, Dave Hollister, Bilal Common, and Jill Scott's first album, Who is Jill Scott? So that bridge had a connector through Jazzy Jeff and what Philly was like. In that time, in the 90s and the early 2000s, there was a very strong underground movement. It was so underground that you really had to know somebody to know somebody to know what was going on. But it was all throughout the city. It was all throughout the city. There were various spots around the city where you could go sit back, drink a cup of coffee or get your favorite drink and watch poetry. Very Love Jones-esque, but more Philly than Chicago. It had a lot of grit. There was a lot of hip hop. There was a lot of jazz. You know, we are all of those things in Philly. We we have a strong jazz movement here in Philly. We have a whole lot of R&B, as you know. Strong hip hop movement. You got to remember, Rough Riders were around at this time. So, like, there's a strong movement happening in Philadelphia. So, folks like Jill Scott would frequent these underground open mic spots and get on and just get loose. And you had a lot of people in these places who would later become big name stars who were also in there honing their craft or looking for new talent. For example, one of the other keystones in the new soul movement, Jay, Mm. were the roots. The roots have their roots in South Philly, like Gamble and Huff. The roots went to Kappa philadelphia school of creative and performing arts and guess who some of their classmates can't
2: wait i'm like in i'm in awe of the story i'm just like teach me mama bacon you know
1: (laughs) some of the classmates of the roots included boys to men Jazz bassist Christian wow, McBride.
2: Wow, I love her.
1: And the vocalist for Groove wow. Theory, Amel Larue. They were all in school. Yes, they were all at Kappa at the same time as the Roots. In fact, I heard Amir tell this story about how he used to see boys to men crooning and swooning girls wow. in the hallway, and that's when he said to Tariq, "You know, we need to start a group because <laughs> <laughs> boys to men were getting all the girls." So that's how the roots were born. They were born, you know, in this hotbed of musical talent here in Philadelphia. They originally were the square roots and they dropped the square part by 93 with their first album, Organics. By the time between 93 and 99, Amir started having gatherings at his house. So there would be jam sessions and people would, come and just spit poetry, or just play music, and it was a communal vibe of artists in Philly. Jill happened to be one of those people, and that led to a collaboration, which led to her writing the hook for You Got Me, which was their Grammy Award-winning song from Things Fall Apart in 1999. These are some of the things that really made the essence of the underground scene in Philly so strong, because folks were literally chilling, spitting, collaborating, producing, and it would go out into the world. So with that, there was a weekly event called the Black Lily. Perhaps you heard of it. You may have heard people talk about it. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. The Black Lily was a must have for artists In the city, it was partly birthed out of those weekly sessions at Questlove's home. Uh, One of the co-creators, Rich Nichols, uh, the Roots manager, and Mercedes um, from the Jazzy Fat Nasties. So they were a group that were like the, the the cornerstone of the Black Lily, which was a weekly jam session every Tuesday night at a place called the Five Spot. So imagine if you're from New York, and we used to hear <laughs> this a lot from New Yorkers. I don't like Philly cause y'all close <laughs> down at two o'clock. We like to sleep in Philly, okay? We do, we like night, night, good night, see you later. But here's what we'll give you before two o'clock. We will give you the best time of your life between the hours of 10 and two. And that's when the Lily happened. 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. every Tuesday evening. Admission was only $5. But it gave artists a chance to stretch. And mm. it was specifically focused on women artists. So you would have a Jill come up. When Floetry landed from the UK in the United States, Love her. they would get up there and stretch. Jasmine Sullivan would get Love up Jaguar Wright. All these pe- kindred, the family soul. All these people, before they had records, would get on stage with the Roots crew, with uh, River, who was the um, who was the MC of the event, and they would get a chance to just stretch their wings. So, a person like me, I I am and was a radio personality at another station in town, and I had just started a show called Inner City, and my goal was to expose Philadelphia to this underground movement. So we had poets on every week. We had new music on every week. I would feature one new artist every week and even though this was a hip-hop station i would stretch and reach into the acid jazz category so i was playing other you know things that weren't necessarily hip-hop or i would reach into the deep soul category we would what? definitely, definitely <laughs> pay homage to house music let us not forget
2: absolutely philadelphia love represents yes.
1: house music too with lady alma from north philadelphia who was doing amazing things so you got more philly out there than a lot of people even realize. But to go to all these different events, that's where you would see a young John Legend doing his thing. John Legend was in Philadelphia to study at the University of Pennsylvania. And he was out on the circuit too, doing his thing here in Philly, honing his craft. You would see all of these people working it out. Jill Scott, when she released who is Jill Scott? I think she toured that first album for something like two years. And she had an amazing band. She called the band Fatback Taffy. A lot of local talent involved in that. And her background singers deserve their own shine. And they got it. Two of her background singers were Carol Riddick and Vivian Green. And if you listen to her experience live album, you will hear both, both Carol Riddick and yes. Vivian
3: Green go. Shout out to you, off. Carol
2: Riddick. She's she's a bad lady. I, I've seen her <laughs> go live off. here in Philly. Man. And Vivian Green, I met too and seen her live. Listen. Yeah. Listen. No.
1: They're all amazing. There were no slouches. No one in the circuit. Was a slouch and it was a lot. I mean, a lot of love. If I could just share one crazy story that unfortunately, because of the time and technology, isn't what it is now, I don't know if there's a recording of this. But there was a moment when D'Angelo, um, D'Angelo is a part of the Soulquarians. I'll explain what the Soulquarians are in a minute. But D'Angelo came to town with his album Voodoo performed at some venue. And they had an after party at a club called 8th Street Lounge, which is no longer in existence. But if anybody from Philly remembers it, you remember they used to have some serious parties (laughs) in this spot. He brought he came in for the after party. Mm. And with him, he brought most death common. Already there were the Mm. roots. Jill Scott. And I believe Jaguar Wright was there as well they had one big jam session that lasted until about four o'clock in the morning.
2: Wait, you said Philly closed at two, not this night.
1: <laughs> Listen, Linda, you're not listening. Yeah,
2: Amen. I hear We could you. be on I New York, York time. You. Sometimes going in, going know. all the way in. Yeah. <laughs> four o'clock in the morning. With, with a lineup like that, it, I, it, that was my brain was like, this couldn't have ended at two o'clock.
1: It did not. I don't think they got there until about 1230. Anyhow. But it jammed, But that was the thing. The energy, the vibe in Philly at that time is unmatched. Um The best way to describe it hmm. so imagine mm-hmm. being at the best party you can think of where there's no stress. Mm-hmm. When I say no stress, Amen. I mean you don't have to look over your shoulder because nobody is shooting nobody. It's not even that type energy. It's not even that type energy. Um, There might be this incense in the air. Might be. Maybe not. There's live music. There's live poetry. And everybody's like, yo, sis, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Straight up vibe. Just straight up vibe. The sharing of music and information, being generous about your talent." and if you're going in as a witness you are sucked into it almost like the trance that you talked about when you listen to house music you are sucked into this place of peace and you are head nodding like a mug because the music is rocking that hard and you got to keep in mind all these folks that you know that are superstars that are from Philly the humble beginnings of how everybody connected to everybody. Like literally everyone was connected to everybody. I'm going to even go back to Jeanne, which is not Mm -hmm. necessarily a part of, of this discussion in this way.
2: I remember hearing that. Yeah. Their
1: connection to Philly is that they went to temple. Yeah. I know them. I know them from temple. (laughs) They were part of that vibe. So when they really got out there around 94, we were all like, yo, those are our girls. So they were representing early on and that love just continued. So you would see that. In the verses battle between Jill and Erica Badu, it's it yeah. was all about peace and, and love. In that movement, <laughs> and and that was one the, that was the
2: thing. Huge theme that I'm feeling from this. When we talk about Philadelphia soul, and something that I, I've 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 uh, felt here in the city, you know, since I've been here, and and in the music, is there's something spiritual about it. And you mentioned the word vibe many times and and, mm-hmm. and that zone that you're in. And when, when you hear the music and it takes you to a certain mm-hmm. place, it's that connection that somehow God is speaking to you through that music. And with the people are, are, are around you, uh, the right people with that right vibe. Mm-hmm. And and we all have that same spirit, that that energy from from God that, that makes us all come together. You also mentioned collaborations, mm. you know, just thinking about, you know, people, uh, Oh, what is Philly? Oh, I was working class city, whatever. Well, it's not just, you know, working class city. It's about families, about communities, about generations of love in the city is what I've learned since I've been here. And there's something in the music that mm-hmm. transmits that into your spirit, that you feel it, you know, it, boys to men, there are songs that they mm-hmm. sing, like on bended knee. That when they go into that hook, and we don't, don't know, or can't wait till the water runs dry. You know, you feel it. Mm-hmm. You feel it in your spirit, and and it goes all the way back to those early mm-hmm. Philly records. I don't know how they captured that, right. but you know, you talk about you know groups like the Intruders. I want to know. Your name, you know, you took the lyrics out of that song. It's like I'm gonna use those lyrics to talk mm-hmm. to a girl. I'm 12 years old now. Figure it out because the record said, <laughs> right? Delphonics. You know, they right. they had um, you know, many records that 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 spoke to your soul in the same way. La la means I love you. Didn't I blow your mind this time? I gave to you. Hey, love. Hey, love. Hey, love. Hey, love. Oh, I'm gonna use those words to talk to a girl. You know, those are the kind mm-hmm. of things that, um, you know, I think were, we're, we're mm-hmm. if they weren't unique to the Philadelphia soul sound, it was more consistent coming from this city. Because there may have been, when you think about Motown, you think about a lot of different things, but mm-hmm. I bet more love songs from Different generations came out of Philadelphia in the way that you describe what was coming out of Philadelphia in that new movement. I didn't realize they didn't like the term Neo Soul, though.
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not.
2: Yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean, we are we're a city of storytellers. We're a city of storytellers. Like all of these songs, when you think about the lyrics, they take hold, they stick with you. Um yep. these are poets. You know, Jill is a poet, you know, so her writing the hook for You Got Me, if you were worried about where I've been and who I saw or what club I went to with my mm, homies, baby, don't you know that you got me.
2: You can feel it, yeah.
1: You can hear, <laughs> you know, you can feel that. Yeah, you probably said that. To somebody or somebody said that to you or you can envision someone saying that, you know, it's 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 telling the story. And then we have to acknowledge you cannot overlook mm-hmm. the pure musicianship that lives here. You know, we're talking about these artists, but you got to look at the musicians behind the artists and these musicians, Philly musicians play Amen. for every major artist in the yep. world on any tour that happened prior to the pandemic. I can almost guarantee you there was at least one Philly musician on that tour.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it, it was a well-known um, fact that, that uh, a lot of artists uh, not only from, you know, the New York area, but, but came from all over the country to get that Philadelphia vibe. I mean, Motown artists, let the, oh, let's talk about the Jacksons. That first, that, the Jacksons. Yeah. Oh man, that was the big the story when spent I was two growing albums up. It was with like, the Jacksons left Motown. They got hook up with Gamble and Huff. they were like, no. And when that first album came out, that sh- let me show you the way to go. Mm-hmm. Gambler Huff were like, we are in control of the sound. Mm-hmm. We're the ones that are winning with the music. Motown can't catch us now. They were just gone, man. It was like, and then, oh, I don't know if you knew this, but um, the, the Jacksons had a ballad on that uh, that first Philly album um, called Find Me a Girl. That was just, oh, it was so dope. I got to find me a girl. It was just Mm Oh, man, another song that just, like, spoke to your soul. But did you know, Mm -hmm. before the Jacksons left Motown, they had an iconic Mm. ballad that they had on the album in Motown. I don't know why they didn't do anything with this, but you know that song by Troop, All I Do is Think of You? You know who did it first. Okay, Jackson. (laughs) Do you know there are... But do you know there of are people course, that did Jackson's. not know the Jacksons made that song first? You know that I was on it. their last Motown album. <laughs> and, and and never really got played. Mm-hmm. And then it came to Philly and then everything was just yep. just blew yes, up after is. that.
1: I always say that Troops version of that song is the best Jacksons remake I've ever heard.
2: Yeah, I agree with you on that. Totally agree.
1: <laughs> the best one. Uh by the way, speaking of the Jacksons, that was my first concert experience in my life you saw the jacksons my very first concert experience was april
2: 1979 wow you went way back i only know
1: the date (laughs) i went way back i only know the date because i actually looked it up because i couldn't remember the date (laughs) but i found this website that uh listed all of the concerts at this particular venue which no longer exists in philly Um, the other great thing about Philly is we had so many venues to experience music. Uh, We had this venue called the Valley Forge music fair.
3: Wow! It's
1: now like a shopping mall or something. Um, But it was a circular amphitheater with a revolving stage. So this show was, um, I I think it was the, um, oh gosh.
2: Oh yeah. 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 So when they were the Jacksons, not the Jackson five, but the Jacksons. Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yep. So Shake Your Body Down to the Ground, uh, the music from and Huff, all of that was on that tour. And that was my very first concert. And that's why I love, like love concerts. And I'm particular about a live show hunting because my first experience was the Jacksons at their peak, yeah. you better not get on that stage and act stupid. You better give me some good vocals. I need some dance steps. If you can't dance, just sit there like Luther, just sit there on that stool and look pretty, whatever, like the background singers dance, I don't care. Um, but it has to be fierce. And I, and, and I know that our Philly live shows are always fierce. You might not always have dancing involved, but it didn't matter if those vocals were on point, you know, doggone sure, the band was going to be on point. So you were always guaranteed to get wow. a good
3: show. You got to come correct in Philly. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on at McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200mg at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
2: First time I heard Patti LaBelle was when she was with LaBelle and that Lady Marmalade record. I had no idea what they were singing about "Get You, mm-hmm. Get You, Ya yeah, Ya yeah, Mama" and, and everything that's going on with that. But I, I tell you, as you know, fifteen-year-old, I was like, oh man, it sounds like they're having fun." And then I uh, saw them, you know, perform uh, on on various TV shows with their outfits that that, that that they were just amazing women that that just made not only a, 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 mm-hmm. a strong music statement but fashion statement as well. And then there was some other records, you know, after Lady Marmalade, there was like, what can I do for you? And then Patty LaBelle, uh, she went out on her own. By the time I was in college in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, uh, she had uh, quite a few records on Epic Records uh, that had that Philly vibe. It's all right with me. Um, um, music is my life. Mm-hmm. And then uh, during the 80s, she, she really tore it up with the, uh, the, the, the pop R&B records, New Attitudes, Stir It Up. And then her ballads are just timeless. Love, need, and want you, if only you knew. And my favorite, Somebody Loves You, Baby. Whoa.
1: Oh, yeah. You
2: know, the, the, the intruders made the greatest Mother's Day song of all time. I'll always love my mama. Yeah, that that song is 50 years old. Is it really? Yeah, and, and still today, every Mother's Day, uh, you know, that song comes on, we hear, pss, psh, and we talked about stories in the music. I mean, what about that breakdown <laughs> in the long version of I'll Always Love My Mama? Bill,
3: where you been, boy? You better be careful playing out
2: in those streets. I mean, you know, talking about the, the you know, the, the, the drinking, <laughs> cutting school and all the stuff that they talked about. I mean, when that record was out, I may have been, three to five years away from that I hadn't gotten there yet but I knew what they were talking about in that mm. record and how our moms you know talk to the sons their sons about you know being careful about getting caught out in the streets because it's just for some odd reason you know growing up man by the time I was 12 I was looking at the streets like oh I know where I'm gonna be hanging out you know but, you know, my, my street was more club street. I hung in the nightclubs and stuff, but I wasn't in like the, the the dangerous streets. I wasn't like <laughs> slinging drugs and guns oh, no. and stuff. But, you know, but, you know, I knew people in that. But, I, you know, I think that the music, my style and music kind of helped me. Uh, or, or develop me into the kind of person that I was, because I was more on the softer, romantic relationship side. I, you know, even as a teenager, I wanted a girl get married, have a family. I wasn't, um, you know, that that that, that dark mm-hmm. side. Like I got to tell you, when once hip hop came out in the uh, in the late '70s and early '80s, I mean, it was a lot of fun hip hop. But I'll tell you what. One record that scared the hell out of me was The Message. I was like, I don't want that life at all. I'll never forget. I was driving on the cross Bronx one day and seeing these cars all, you know, broken down on the side and people throwing (laughs) bottles off the side of the highway and stuff. It was like broken glass everywhere. People pissing in the station. I didn't want to take the subway. I didn't want to drive to New York. I didn't want to get out of my car. The Message scared the hell out of me. It wasn't Philly's soul. It was New York wow. and New York was too <laughs> aggressive for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. People back in New York wow. are like, Jay, stop it. It's like, you know, I have a love for New York city. I spent most of my adult <laughs> life there, but you know, just, just making uh, a, a um, you know, a comparison between, you know, when, when, when hip hop came out, it was about a lifestyle that a lot of people dealt with on a day-to-day basis in New York. And, you know, whether it was the Philly soul or the newer movement of of soul that came out of Philly I related to that I related to Joe Scott he loves me and it was you know warm and fuzzy and mm-hmm. I was like oh this is my happy place it's warm and fuzzy and stuff and then you know a guy like you know I'll, I'll give you another artist mm-hmm. a Philly artist music soul child and and I know you had a lot to do with mm-hmm. breaking his music and I want you to share that as well but Thinking about a song that was just so Philly to me in the new era of Philly soul music was just friends. You can't get more like than a story of, you know, just vibing with a girl. You just don't want it to be too deep, too heavy. You just want to be like, you know, you got guys like that, man. You know, I just want to, you know, move with a lady that's like, oh man, you know, we're friends and we cool and all that stuff. and it's not too deep. She ain't stressing me out and all that. That's the kind of vibe that's in my soul. When we talk about soul and spirit, those are the kind of records that that speak to me. And how did you make all that happen? What, what happened with, with, with how you, uh, you discovered him basically?
1: So what was amazing is that I had the opportunity um, with my other station, <clears throat> I had the opportunity to break new records like I mentioned before, it was my goal to find who was new and hot in Philly. So I had a producer who um, would go out and find folks and she and I sometimes would go out like to the Black Lily or other events that were happening in Philadelphia where there was an open mic and so we would scout talent. Once folks got word that I was doing this and I was doing this on the big hip hop station in Philly, like the Juggernaut station in Philly, eventually producers and managers would just come to me and say, hey, Tiff, can you check out my artist? So in music's case, that's what happened. His management, Jay Hips and Mike McArthur, um, I ran into them, I think at an event. And they said, hey, Tiff, look, um, we got this young guy. He's from Philly. We have a, a, a record on the Nutty Professor soundtrack. And we want to know if you can give him, a, give him a listen and give him a spin. So I think it was around 9.40 every Sunday night. That's when I would play the new songs. And I played his Just Friends. And I knew, by the way, anybody who's who's trying to get new music on, there is a rule of thumb. If the person who could possibly play your record doesn't vibe on it in the first 30 seconds, chances are you're not going yeah, to Like you've got to <laughs> catch them in the first 30 seconds. We're not going to listen to a yeah. whole five-minute song, a whole three-minute song. We will if we like the first 30 seconds. And with his, it was that.
2: <pad paresy>
1: Immediately I knew I was gonna listen past 30 seconds. Yeah. Then once we got into the actual song and the hook, I said, Oh yeah, this is a hit. So I played it at 9:40. The next day, a Monday, my PD says, Hey, uh Tiff, what what, what was that song you played last night? at 940. (laughs) I said, there's a new guy from Philly called Music Soul Child. The song is called Just Friends. He said, I need you to give me that because we've had so many calls for it this morning that we're going to put it in rotation. So that was the first time my show literally became a pipeline from the underground Philly to mainstream airplay on a juggernaut hip hop station. That was wow. the first time that it happened. It was not the last time it then, it, it eventually happened with Jill. It eventually happened with Kindred the Family Soul, Floetry and then it, it it really became a bit of a pipeline. John Legend, um, India Ari, like all these different people, it became that thing because initially, you know, folks folks literally thought I was crazy when I proposed to have a show that played eclectic hip hop. And that's how I described it. I said, eclectic hip hop. So it's hip hop that we give you the roots. So we all know the roots now, but back in 99, before the album came out, before You Got Me became a hit, folks looked at the roots as a novelty. Mm. And mainstream hip hop wasn't running them like that. So I'm talking about playing The Roots. I'm talking about playing um, Tribe Called Quest because we had stopped putting Tribe Called Quest into regular rotation. You know, we stopped playing Arrested Development and De La Soul. So all of that was, for me, vibe music. So I proposed doing that and in between music or right before commercial breaks, having a guest poet come on and just spit a la Love Jones. So envision my show on a Sunday night. It's the whole vibe. It's like light a candle, open a window if it's warm, open a window, close your eyes and listen to my show. That's what it was. It was a vibe. I would throw in some some vibed out soul. So you would get some Marvin Gaye. Hmm. You know, you would get Gil Scott Heron. You would get if I could slide it in Donald Byrd. If I could put in some jazz in wow. there, you know, wow. I would I would bring all that together with tribe called quest with most deaf black on both sides the album almost played the whole album one night with voodoo i played spanish dance my god i think i might have been the only radio only person in philly playing that song on the radio so it was or the spanish song it was like it was a whole vibe and then you mix in these new artists and they literally came from all over philly it was almost like by the time flowetry got here their people were like, Tiff, no, seriously, we need you to hear these girls. <laughs> we, wow. need you to, we need you to hear these girls. Like, they got the whole touch of jazz vibe thing going on, and it's a sound. So, again, they also had <clears throat> their album, a lot of their album was produced at a touch of jazz, going back to Jazzy Jeff, going back to the center of it all, right, connecting the dots here. A lot of these records came from a touch of jazz, So this is helping to create that sound, right? These are musicians, all the guys in Touch of Jazz, they can play, you know what I mean? So they're producers, but they can play. They are musicians and they have the sound that was elevating um, and, and pushing forward what Gamble and Huff did in the 70s. Jazzy Jeff and his crew were doing in the 90s. So that sound you're talking about, a lot of that came out of, um, it came out of uh, Jazzy Jeff's house, A Touch of Jazz. There was Axis Music Group, which was Victor Duplay, um, Chauncey Childs, and James Poiser. James Poyser, who is now part of the Roots, he's one of the keyboardists, mm. part of the Roots. So, you know, again, it all comes back to the center. They did a lot of work with like Erica Badu and other artists. So you, you're you're hearing, and they're musicians. <laughs> So you were hearing like the root of all of this is the musicianship, which I think makes us stand out even more, which I think our sound makes us stand out even more, even in the nineties and beyond.
2: So let me throw this in there during the, uh, the early 2000s, something magical happened uh, and and I'm f- just amazed at the story that you're sharing here about how this new movement of, of, of soul music came out of Philadelphia. And, and, you know, again, I, I, I didn't grow up in Philadelphia. I didn't uh, know a lot about what was happening in the, the inside or behind the scenes uh, story of what mm-hmm. was going on with the music. But in 2000 uh, I, I took my first programming job in Birmingham, Alabama. So I was in the South. And one of the things that, I tried to do because, um, you know, I just came out of New York. I, I spent 11 years in New York, especially during the 90s, as Jay Mixon-Dixon did a lot of parties in New York, house music parties, dance hall parties. A lot mm. of stuff that we did was classic club music, which was a lot of the Philly music. But going to uh, Birmingham, Alabama in 2000, you know, we tried to do parties down there, and nothing worked, Tiffany. Nothing. Mm. So... There was a new group. I didn't know where they were from. We played their record on the station. Had a really nice vibe to it. There was something about the song that just had that classic R&B vibe to it. It was just different. It had a great story in it too. The strings mm-hmm. came in, dun-dun-dun, and then they were talking about uh, tide of you know broken. Glass, street glass, not getting <laughs> no ass unless the baby sleep. And I was like, wow, you know, the guy had a smooth voice. The, the mm-hmm. girl in the song sounded great. And then the hook, far away from here, far mm-hmm. away from here. And the record caught on in Birmingham. And, and I forgot what label they were on, but I, I was able to um, work out something with the label. I was like, hey, what if this group came through uh, Birmingham, did a performance? They were like, mm-hmm. yeah, cool, let's give them a shot. Uh, so the tour bus. Th- this is the, the the story that that I got from their management. The tour bus was going through the Carolinas, I think, and Birmingham was a stop on the way down. So they either they drove from the Carolinas to Birmingham for this this promo club date, or mm-hmm. um, they were on their way to somewhere else. But I remember meeting the guy Fatine and his wife Asia, and mm-hmm. uh, they put on a phenomenal performance. And I remember asking him, can I record this? And we, we call the name of this event, the Neo Soul Lounge. Mm. So what we were trying to capture is everything that you described that was going on here in Philly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was a, a, a DJ named Terry Bello that did uh, the yeah, Soul, Soul Lounge. right? And I think mm-hmm. uh, the name came from his show, the Soul Lounge. And um, yeah, he was very popular wherever he was. So I was like, I'll do this in Birmingham and he'll, he'll never find out. And he did find out, so it was Neo Soul Lounge and Kindred the Family Soul was was the, uh, the, the, the group that performed for that. And it was the first mm-hmm. night we ever got a crowd for anything in Birmingham.
3: Wow. Do you know
2: how this blew up after that? How? Neo Soul Lounge 2 featured a new up and coming artist named Anthony Hamilton. Mm. Neo Soul Lounge Three featured a new and upcoming artist named Kim, and it just went Mm. on and on from there. Calvin Richardson and just you know just went on and on to the point where I think in 2004 Birmingham launched a neo soul radio station that played all of these artists. Yes, and it it lasted for about two years, and then it changed to something else. I don't know. I I had moved to Atlanta, and um, but but I'll never forget that movement. Uh, what you described, what was going on here in Philly? That they, they, they got a piece of that, big piece of that in, in Birmingham, Alabama, that was uh, nice. uh, started by uh, Kindred, the Family Soul. And when I caught up with Fatine once I, you know, moved here to Philly, I shared that story with him. Great guy, nice. yeah, love hanging out in the studio with him. We, you know, I was out at his studio in uh, uh, oh, what is that area, Kensington. Listening to music one night, and I was going through all these old Philadelphia International records, the ones that weren't popular, and we were just like vibing on songs and stuff. And you heard some um, strings in this one song called I Can't Stop Turning You On. It's on Philadelphia International Records, and the strings in that song sound just like the strings, very similar to the ones in Far Away from Here. Mm. And the name of the group was Silk before Freak Me Silk.
1: Ah, nice.
2: Silk on Philadelphia International (laughs) Records
1: nice nice absolutely nice yeah i love i love kindred the family soul i was first introduced to them at the black lily so like i said it was a it was like church for a lot of folks going to the lily was like going to church you had a very spiritual experience being in there the club was not big um There was really no seating. There was just a few. You had to get there basically when they opened the door just to grab a seat, honest to God, because if you got in there, uh, say 1015, 1030, you were standing. But most people didn't care. It was jam packed, crowded, hot. The stage was no bigger than a quarter, Um, but folks jammed and they jammed hard. And that's when I first saw Kindred the Family Soul and needless to say, definitely brought them on the show. Um, They shot their first video for Far Away at one of our other, um, unfortunately, I heard it just closed, one of our other uh, venues that we loved so much, Silk City. Mm. Silk City was a diner, but it also had a club attached to it. So depending on the night, you could hear Afrobeat you could hear acid jazz. You could hear house. You could hear electronica. It was just a, a mixture of music, and we ha- and we had that also like eclectic alternative music vibe that's that was strong in Philly as well. Hey. And when they overlapped, it didn't. It just. It was just literally people vibed out, having a good time sweat from the room being so hot from so many people dancing or just so many people in the place and there literally, there was no part of Philadelphia except maybe the greater Northeast that didn't have a club that you could go to Mm. and just have a good time.
2: I was going to say it's intelligent
3: too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. McDonald's is not new to chicken.
1: Yeah, in case you don't feel like traveling too far. But depending on the vibe, depending on the event, folks would travel far. Not to harp all the time on Jill, but just to, just to give you an idea of the dedication that we had as fans and how much folks loved the music. There was a New Year's Day concert for Jill at the Electric Factory. And when I tell you, it snowed like it hadn't snowed in years the night before and the morning of. To the point where we were on the phone half the night and most of the morning trying to figure out if this thing was still happening. And it was decided somewhere, I guess, in the afternoon that the show was going to go on. Now, mind you, this meant that everybody, everybody that bought a ticket. Everybody that was going to run the bar or play an instrument had to dig themselves out of inches and inches and inches of snow. When I showed up at the electric factory, it was wall-to-wall people. Everybody dug themselves out. Everybody dug themselves out and did not care. People were parked crazy on top of mounds of snow. (laughs) Wow, <laughs> worried that the PPA was going to give them a ticket or tow their car, but they're like, shoot, if you can get to the car, you can keep it. Like it didn't matter. People got there.
2: Wow, Tiffany, can you dig it? I can. You can dig it.
1: I can dig it. It's That's already got dug.
2: There.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is dug and buried, child.
2: We're talking about Patty Intruders, doo-wop, Philly Doo Wop, Delphonics. We talked about stylistics. I didn't really dig into you know, they they had a you talk about the um, Philly Soul records that that were very pop and top 40 back in the day, but still had that soul stylistics. Man, they nailed it with you know the songs like Stop, Look, and Listen, Bet You By Golly, Wow, Stoned in Love with You. Tom Bell was just amazing in putting together uh songs for uh for the stylistics. Tom Bell and Linda Creed. Uh, who uh, mm-hmm. they, they collaborated, and, you know, in case you didn't know, Mary J. Blige, um, she um, used the song, Everything, uh, or used You Are Everything. That was part of how she got the, uh, the track for that song, Everything. Fact check on that. I see that's written in here, but I, I never really made the connection between those songs, so, so that might be an edit. But I do remember one thing with the stylistics. Uh, they re- reunited with Tom Bell in 1980, and uh, they came up with this record called Hurry Up This Way Again. Definitely had a really great Philadelphia sound different than the stuff that they were doing with um, Van McCoy uh, in between Stop, Look and Listen. And when they teamed up with Philadelphia International Records again, uh, had a great vibe. And, um, you know, you you were you and I were talking a little while ago about the uh, this Philly thing, the uh, unofficial beard gang. Uh, what is what is that all about in Philly? Uh, you know
1: the brothers that are proud, uh, proud of their beards, and their beards are tightened together.
2: Yeah, that that's definitely a Philly thing. You know, uh, I, I I commend the brothers. Uh, I'm a beard brother, not not like Billy Paul's beard, and uh, you know he he was just amazing uh, as far as his, his vocals and his his songs. Me and Mrs. Jones, we know is just a, an amazing classic, and he had a lot of other great songs. Bring the family back. Uh, I think I'll stay home today. And of course, uh, let's make a baby. And uh, we talked about, um, uh, let's see, there was one other group here. Or was it Billy Paul? We talked about Phyllis Hyman. And then, um, you know, Phyllis Hyman was just, you know, an amazing vocalist. I didn't realize that she was suffering from, um, you know, uh, they say bipolar disorder. Uh, and then mm-hmm. eventually committed suicide at the age of 45. And, and Tiffany, I remember where I was when I I, I was in Miami uh, over my sister's house. And, you know, we were pulling out of the driveway and, and the radio station there, WEDR made a, a breaking news announcement that Phil, Phyllis Hyman had committed suicide. And it was just so sad. Mm-hmm. A few years before I had worked with Phyllis Hyman, I had co-hosted a um, an awards uh, ceremony um, the uh, all-star talent network uh, mm-hmm. had put on an event at B Smith's in Manhattan. And um, I had a chance to um, co-host uh, with Phyllis Hyman, who was just an amazing, sweet person to work with uh, that night. So I was, I was definitely heartbroken when I, when I got that news. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Phyllis's uh, you know, influence is um, definitely heard today and, and a lot of the, uh, the, the, Philly soul singers of today, whether it's Joe Scott and even Jasmine Sullivan, I would say, has mm-hmm. uh, some of that vibe as well. Have you worked with Jasmine? Did you see her when she was, you know, first starting out? I heard she used to do uh, work with Kindred or, you know, what, what was the uh, the Philly story or what was the uh, the story with Jasmine and when she was uh, getting started here in the city?
1: Okay. Well, first of all, Miss Jasmine Sullivan wowed us when she was about 14 or 15 clearly too young to be in the clubs, but they brought her to the Lily. Wow. They brought her to the black Lily and she literally would come in perform a song and had to leave because nobody was trying to go to jail for her (laughs) up in the club. Um, But we, we saw her and we're like, where did this beautiful voice come from, from this little girl? Oh, my goodness. So she got her first uh, record deal when she was about 15. Um, She worked with Kindred, the family soul. She is now a whole grown woman, has a brand new album out that is doing uh, wonderful. Great.
2: Yes, it is. Wonderful in the
1: charts. It's an awesome album. Um, But to see her, you know, again, she's a Philly, another Philly story. You know, uh, sister is from North Philly. I think the Strawberry Mansion section Mm. to be specific. And to see her so young with such control of her instrument, we knew then, oh, she's a phenom. She's a phenom. She's Mm. she's about to tear this world up. You know, and so she's, you know, the, the, the scene changed, the vibe changed, life changed, but she's changing with it. So she's out there carrying it. Carrying it on and pushing it forward So you know I wish her all the best for sure It's you know I feel like I need to grab the Geritol and a walker Because I'm like she's grown (laughs) And I was so grown when I first met her So I'm even more grown now But she is She is wonderful Um, Another phenom That we met back then um, Who was on the young side Not as young as Jasmine but also very young Was Bilal kind has the kind of voice that will make you stop in your tracks.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He is on, uh, I think one of the first times I heard him was singing with Jill on Commons Like Water for Chocolate. And the song is called Funky for You. And if you listen to the end, of that song, that's Bilal going off. When they performed it live, so let me just take you back, back into time to 2002 when um, the All-Star Game was in Philly, All-Star Weekend Mm. was in Philly Mm -hmm. in 2002. So there was like a plethora (laughs) of events. (laughs) Needless to say, Philly was the hottest thing on the planet that weekend. Um, there was one event at the Electric Factory, which is a, is a legendary um, spot, which is also no longer operational. Um, there was a big concert and it highlighted every one of the artists that we've talked about were all on one stage Wow! during All-Star Weekend during the show. So that's Jill, Jaguar, Bilal, Floetry, Jazzy Jeff, everybody was on that music. Everybody was on that show. And that was one of the greatest shows (laughs) ever. And when Bilal got the mic, it's like, you can't help but stare. So he has the kind of voice that, you know, it's best to experience live. Like you you can get it off the record or you can hear it, the power of it through the CD, but you really got to Feel the vibration coming from his voice live and in person. Um, so yeah, you know, Soul Sister was was definitely a track that you play mm-hmm. all the time. You could use that instrumental for a lot of great, you know, mood music in the background and whatnot. He had another song off his album First Born Second called Sometimes, and and that's a good.
0: I think it's like a
1: five or seven minute song. Definitely longer than what we're supposed to play on the radio. But <laughs> I played, it. But I played it. the whole song. Um, and he goes off. Like you hear his musicianship and he just goes off. So that's the other, the other thing that I love about us. I love about our artists here. They're, they're, they're not slouches Mm-mm. in vocal ability. You know, um, you're going to get that power, you know, and I and I hope that we hear, you know, even more from Bilal because he's he's phenomenal. Mm. And he was a major part, major part of the movement. But if you can check out if you haven't listened to comments like Water for Chocolate in a while, listen for that song. Listen for the song Funky for You. Listen till the end. That's Bilal.
2: Wow. Thank you so much, Tiffany. This this was uh an enlightening uh ex- I wouldn't even say podcast, it's an experience. It's like an <laughs> audio movie. It's like it takes you through time. And you know, but you know, I I believe that these stories are are important for people to know. One of the things that I just hope moving forward is that in our cultures that we don't forget the power of of uh you know faith spirituality vibe all that in our music is so important because you know i've always believed that you know in the philadelphia sounds that i heard and the lyrics and the melodies that it influenced who i am today as a person and that's what made the city so intriguing to me but you know I, I just think that music has a bigger impact on our culture and these stories are so important so that mm-hmm. you know one day maybe we can get back to uh you know music that's more about love on a consistent mm-hmm. basis and 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 the values that 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 make us a a, a strong people just so you know just just moving forward you know what are we going to do to turn around the problems that we have you know it's like wake up everybody relevant mm-hmm. then still is relevant now and how we got to you know look at what's going on in the world and work collectively collaborate to, uh, to change things for, for the better in, 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 a positive way.
1: Absolutely. 100% agree. But in the meantime, we can play these old records. We can look up the videos on YouTube. Um, if anybody really wants to get just a hint, YouTube search the black Lily. Mm. There are a couple of videos that exist about what that was like. Some videos of actual performances that happened there. There's one called uh, Last Night at the Five Spot. That's definitely worth a watch. So you get an idea of how popping that thing was.
2: Popping. That's like, poppin'. a, it's a, is, is it appropriate to say in Philadelphia it's a popping John? Don't you say John. <sighs>
1: that's a no that's
2: a no though unless you're that's from philly no. don't say John.
1: don't do it don't do it because even some folks from philly if you're don't not say used John. to saying it don't don't say it don't say Mm-mm. it i will side eye you with the strongest i will pull from my ancestors the strongest <laughs> side eye i can muster
2: if you say John, let me just back down here sister Thank you so much, Tiffany, and thank you everybody for joining us on another edition of Radio One's For the Culture podcast, the Black History of or the History of Black Music. And be sure to like, review, and subscribe for future and previous episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Jay Mixon Dixon, Tiffany Bacon. Thank you very much, and uh, hey, God bless. Be safe, and thank you for uh, sharing your story and your spirit with us tonight.